This podcast was recorded on Thursday, February 25th at 11.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I know the court of public opinion moves fast. I've instructed my attorneys to ensure that these allegations are addressed where they should be in the court of law. In short, I reject these accusations in the strongest possible terms. It's not my values. It's not how I raised. It's not who I am. That was Patrick Brown, who, up until the wee hours of the morning Thursday, was the leader of the Ontario Progressive Conservatives. I'm Althea Raj, and this is Follow Up, a HuffPost Canada politics podcast. Well, it's been a shocking week in Canadian politics, first in Nova Scotia, where another PC leader, Jamie Bailey, resigned over what the party called allegations of inappropriate behavior. News reports describe the claims as sexual harassment in the workplace. Then came the bombshell about Patrick Brown, just four months before the provincial election that his party stood a good chance of winning. Brown had shocked the party establishment three years earlier by out-organizing his political opponents to win the leadership. Since then, he's raised a surprising amount of money and was pushing his party towards the political middle. Now he's a political outcast. Two women told CTV News this week that Brown had acted in sexually aggressive and inappropriate ways in allegations that date back five to ten years. One still in high school when, she says, Brown asked her for a sex act. He pulled out his pants and said, I don't know if he said suck my dick or put this in your mouth, but something along those lines. The other woman worked in Brown's constituency office. That scenario, like of a very inebriated young employee in the bedroom of her boss alone with him um, who hasn't had a drop of alcohol all night um, just that that's an intimidating situation and I was uh, not sure what to do about it the next thing I know he's kissing me after learning of the allegations Brown's senior staff including his chief of staff and campaign manager urged him to quit he refused. So they quit, en masse. Brown denied allegations publicly and only after a private meeting with caucus, resigned. Hours later, in Switzerland, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau faced questions about the conduct of one of his cabinet ministers. Well, sir, some women are speaking up about your sport and disabilities minister, Kent Hare, saying that he made unwanted comments about their bodies and that during his time in the Alberta legislature, some female political staff would not get in an elevator with him because he made them feel uncomfortable. A woman on Twitter named Kristen Raworth urged Trudeau to dump his cabinet minister. Here's one of her tweets read by my colleague. In an elevator with me and only me said, you're yummy. Seems nothing but ask me how many women share stories about him. My story and most of our stories, thankful, don't end with assault, but they end up in fear. He is now a federal cabinet minister in the government of a man who claims to believe in gender equality. So let's test that, Justin Trudeau. I'm not alone in my experience, and I know so many women have experienced this. So get rid of him. Trudeau and Davos reminded reporters he's taken a hard line before with at least four other MPs and a senior member of his staff who were all shown the door while investigation secured. 
I don't need to remind anyone of the positions I've taken from the very beginning uh, of my leadership on uh, issues around this. I am unequivocal in uh, my support uh, for women who step forward with, uh, with allegations of this nature, uh, and that continues. Before boarding his plane to Canada Thursday, Trudeau announced Kent is out of cabinet while a probe takes place, but he'll remain in caucus. Our political panel has a lot to say about this and what the political fallout might be. Patrick Brown, Jamie Bailey, and now Kent Hare. The hashtag MeToo movement reverberated in political circles last week. Joining me to talk about this is Rachel Curran, Prime Minister Stephen Harper's former director of policy and now a senior associate at Harper & Associates. And Greg McEachran, a former advisor to several liberal cabinet ministers and senior vice president at Enveronics Communications. And Carl Belanger, the former NDP national director in many other NDP positions and the current president of Traction Strategies. Welcome. So let me start off with this bombshell news about Patrick Brown. Did this come out of nowhere? Were any of you surprised by these allegations? No. I was surprised. I, I, I will admit that. I was surprised. But let it never be said that politics is boring in Canada. Yeah, I was not expecting this, to be honest. I don't know the guy very much. I hadn't heard anything about him before. Uh, what's surprising to me is how late in the game these allegations are coming forward. Uh, considering that he's been a prominent figure now for quite some time. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't surprised. I've heard stories. There's, a, I, I would say, a, a grimace that kind of goes across the face of some of my friends who were former Conservative staffers on the Hill. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, the, the rumor mill can be, um, can cut both ways. You know, sometimes it's imaginary, sometimes it's based in fact. You know, when there's smoke, is there necessarily fire? I have to say, as Carl said, though, at, at this point, I figured that if there was something that was going to come out, it would have come out. But I know that even recently I was contacted by a Toronto journalist asking if I had ever heard anything. And there was nothing concrete in terms of Mr. Brown that I had ever heard, except this kind of, um, you know, some smoke. Well, it's nice that Rachel says that she was surprised because if you had not been surprised, one would expect that your office would have done something about it. Well, well yeah, I mean, look, it's... Um uh, I, I was I was completely shocked. So maybe I'm just not, you know, properly tapped into the rumor mill or the gossip mill in Ottawa. Uh, but I too figured, um, you know, if there had been something here, we would have heard about it long before now. Patrick Brown's been the leader of the Progressive Conservative Party for uh, quite a while now. Um, so I don't think the timing is coincidental. Um, and I don't think there is a complete absence of, uh, you know, political involvement here. Um, that said, the allegations are incredibly serious and there's simply no way he could go into the election as the conservative leader with this hanging over his head. Uh, of course, he deserves, you know, due process and a fair hearing and all of that. I hope he gets it. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, it, you know, this is politically toxic and, uh, uh, he simply couldn't continue as leader. So I, I think he did the right thing by stepping down, or rather the party did the right thing by taking quick and decisive action to make sure he stepped down. Um, so the question is where where they go from here, and that's that's a big question. I should say too, um, to Greg's point about how you know these rumors have been circulating and people you know were not enthusiastic about him or about Kent Hare. Um, we need, I think, to find a better way of um, screening out 
these people if there truly is a problem. Mm -hmm. So if these rumors exist and they've existed for years, um, you know, why hasn't anyone said anything? Why isn't there a process for ensuring uh, they become known before people become party leaders or federal cabinet ministers? But I, uh, I think that's part of the problem, especially around the Hill. Yeah. I've had friends who have experienced harassment um, who are staffers. I've actually had the wife of a cabinet minister I worked for in front of me experience harassment from uh, an inebriated MP. Um, that was quite some time ago. It still bothers me. I, I, she actually sent me a note uh, last night um, because I had written something on Facebook about how this incident still bothered me because I felt stupid and helpless. Like it, there is something about politics and power that kind of permeates this, but also there is a problem in terms of lack of processes around the Hill. And I think in the interview on CTV, one of the um, young women who were talking about Patrick Brown said she didn't know what HR meant in terms of her role as a constituency. Or who to talk to. Or who to he, talk to. He was her boss. And, and, and that's problematic. I think um, when I, I've been off the Hill for a, a lot longer than, than, my, than Carl and, and Rachel here, but uh, you know there definitely is a whisper campaign that goes on. I know of other MPs, um, the statement about do not get caught in an elevator with them, or there'd be certain reporters that people would say they're not safe in cabs. It is a whisper campaign. And we know in the States, um, the, the part of the movement in the media was about a document that was held by, share, and held and shared by women who had experienced mm -hmm. bad behavior. Um, so it is something, and, I, and again, I think we're, we're at the crux of a, a very interesting time, but Rachel raises a good point. It's, it's how do you, it, it's like trying to put a thumbtack in mercury sometimes in terms to try to pin this down and, and figure out a strategy. Well, I think part of the problem is probably women didn't feel safe to come forward because there wasn't an avenue for them to do so as there is now. Mm -hmm. But also there seems to be a culture of secrecy where all parties kind of protect their own. Like the reason that we don't know really what goes on at the Board of Internal Economy and how many MPs might have had specific complaints against them, nobody in any party seemed interested in opening that up. I don't, I don't want to monopolize this, but this, I mean, we're watching the states where there are individuals who are putting party over principle. And I would hate to see that happen in Canada. There were times uh, during the recent event with MPs where um, I saw a couple of MPs try to make this a partisan uh, uh, problem, and it is not. Every party has this. Mm -hmm. And I would, you know, as someone who's witnessed this and something that I would never want to see again, but I can tell you it has happened in the party I worked for, and I know it's happened in other parties. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good question about HR processes. Yes, those need to be in place. But if you're a young staffer or, you know, in high school even, are you going to necessarily know about or avail yourself of a process like that? Um, or does there need to be a broader, um, sort of more concerted and coordinated effort um, to address this? And Greg, you mentioned you witnessed an incident. Um, should there be a way that even people who aren't directly affected can report incidents and somehow get, um, you know, the ball rolling without, you know, having a young, potentially vulnerable complainant, um, having the onus be on that person's shoulders uh, to actually take it forward. So, so maybe there needs to be a broader effort that involves um, more people working on the Hill, more people working in politics, even if they're not directly affected, um, to, to, to report and follow up on incidents like that. Yeah, I think there's a potential of being blackballed as well. You know, this is an environment where there are no really permanent jobs. It's contracts, it's word of mouth, and you exactly. probably don't want to be seen yeah. as a troublesome or a complainant. Yeah. 
and you have other things to do uh, and this is a distraction from your work and you figure that you know you can go through with it uh and, and and it's hard right like and and there's there are things there are processes they do exist there's all kinds of ways but a lot of the time the, the victims uh, do not feel comfortable in these process because even when these processes are in place you still have to put yourself forward and and that takes a lot of courage when you are already vulnerable and uh, and the reality is that You know, there's this 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 idea of how do you prove it? Where's the due process? Um, it's very intimidating, um, and so that's what's been great about the current Me Too movement. But the reality is that most of the allegations we've heard have not been proven in court, and people are being told that every time they speak out because they're just allegation. They've not been proven in court, but at the end of the day, um, uh, the culture has to change, and it is changing. Uh, but a lot of the things we are hearing about now happen five years ago, ten mm. years ago, sometimes uh, even longer. Um, and uh, and it's not a political culture; it's a it's a masculine culture, and it's got to change. Let me bring this back to politics. What's the potential impact on the Ontario election? And Rachel, you mentioned about timing and this not being free of politics. But one would expect that if the Liberals were holding on to this as part of their opposition research, they would have waited a little bit longer before dropping this bombshell where the party possibly could not get its act together to find a new leader just in time for this June election. Well, I, I, to be honest, I think the timing is pretty bad for the party. We've got less than five months to go before the next election. Mm -hmm. It will be difficult for the party to um, find a new leader, uh, to introduce that person to the public in Ontario, um, to develop potentially a new platform. So all of those things that need to be done in preparation for election, it's very, very late in the game to be doing that now. So I think the potential impact on the election is huge. Um, I don't think this means you know guaranteed victory for Kathleen Wynne. Um, but I do think the job of the Conservative Party just got much, much harder. Um, there, there really is almost no time left. But there is an opportunity to change the page quickly, turn the page quickly. Um, it'd be wise probably to choose a woman as the next leader uh, to try to, you know, move away from that scandal, but also to bring some fresh face uh, in, in the game. A lot of people are talking about Carolyn Mulroney now. Lisa Raitt as well. Uh, we'll have her Lisa Raitt, I've heard uh, Chrissy Elliott. Uh, there's many other names that are Lisa McLeod here in mm -hmm. Ottawa. Um, so, you know, it's a game changer, no doubt about it. Uh, is, does that guarantee a win to Kathleen Wynne? I don't think so. Um, because uh, there's going to be a lot of, of it's, it's paradoxical, but there's going to be a lot of momentum going in the campaign for a brand new leader who's changing everything. And it's not the old <coughs> progressive conservative party that you used to know with, you know, uh, the old white dude that are kind of creepy. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is different. You, can't, you have an opportunity, but you have to manage it well and you have to be bold about it. You cannot try to ush it out. You have to, uh, you know, uh, harness it and do a kind of a judo uh, move. This, this, was, this was always going to be a, a, an election that the campaign mattered because of the last two campaigns mm -hmm. where the Liberals were counted out. And, you know, Tim Hudak was supposed to win at two different times. People counted out Kathleen Wynne previously. So the campaign was always going to be really, uh, really important. And, and it's funny, you do hear people say, well, the polls are really bad for winning the Liberals, but, you know, you never know. There's something, and you look at some of the things that they're doing in terms of stealing some of the ideas from the NDP. Again. I, I think the, the problem for the... <laughs> As usual. Yeah, I think the problem for the progressive conservatives, we still have to suss out what happened here. 
uh, from the last leadership. Were there people that flagged this issue around Patrick Brown and were they ignored? If that happened and those stories come out, that'll be problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, if there are people who were shut down as they were trying to, um, uh, you know, perhaps bring this forward, there's problems around some of the nominations and that they were felt that they were fixed by Brown's people. There's still an investigation going on in Hamilton, although the candidate is backed, the, the upset candidate is backed away. I believe the police investigation is still going on. So if that's left bad feelings with the people who are around Brown, those people have probably lost a lot of power and a lot of say. What I also think is really important is the number of staff members that walked away from Patrick Brown so quickly. And that made me wonder why. Uh, based on these two allegations that have not been proven in court, not taken anywhere, they were gone. They set land speed records. Is there other stories out there? Are we going to hear? Is the other you know, um, shoe left to, to still drop? But couldn't it just be possible that these individuals, the chief of staff, the campaign manager, the campaign manager in charge of strategy, the press secretary, uh, to a lesser extent, they just wanted to disassociate themselves with Brown as quickly as possible to basically set themselves up for whoever the new leader was. Like we have a team already in place. The platform's been already introduced. Yeah, and, and, we're and, here. And we're and just absolutely. waiting for and you. It could face. be that, and it could be you know, um, you know, principle over party. Um, I think the stories that were going to come out in the next couple of days, I mean, Glenn McGregor from CTV broke this. There's going to be a lot of reporters now looking to match and beat this story. Mm-hmm. Well, they were looking before, as you as you pointed out earlier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they've been looking, but they're also looking in other <clears throat> leaders as well and other MPs and cabinet ministers, and, you know, stories are coming out. I think it's perhaps because these individuals, like Ali Kanvelshi, uh, Dan, they were not... Patrick Brown people. These were not staffers who've been following Brown for a long time and believed in his vision and his ideology. They were conservative staffers. Yeah, I mean, I think they believed in a conservative vision for the province, um, and you know, got behind Patrick as the as the person the they, the, yeah, that they thought could carry that forward. Um, yeah, you know, I know both of them quite well. They're um, people have a lot of integrity. Uh, they're committed to the conservative movement, the conservative conservative cause. They're incredibly hard workers. Um, I tend to agree with Greg that they would not have walked away for no reason. So I don't think this was a you know, stepping back purely out of self-interest. Um, I think they probably gave some pretty hard-hitting advice and felt that if it was not taken, they needed to take a strong stand. And so that's exactly what they did. Ironically, he did take their advice yeah, well, <laughs> just a few hours later. Yeah, just yeah. a bit late. Well, keep in mind also, there's no process. And we were talking about, you know, who is this new exciting leader going to be? And Carl threw out some, some great names. There is no process to really appoint someone, really, as, as the head of the party um, you know, as the, the person who's going to lead the caucus into the next election. There should, ideally, there should be a campaign. The party members should be able to vote. I mean, that's how the leadership process works in the Conservative Party. The members of the party, the grassroots, get a chance to say who that person should be. So you can't, uh, it's going to be very difficult to conduct a leadership campaign uh, with less than five months to go before the election. So the question is, how does this new leader become the new leader? Will there be a compressed leadership campaign? Is caucus simply going to choose someone? Um, so Which they so, seem to be able to do according to their Yeah, I, they can. They can simply choose. But you want to have the buy-in of the party members, too. So and the public. It, like, exactly. You don't want exactly. to have, you know, this this these backroom boys making a decision amongst their own about choosing the have a digital right? 
Yeah, if you look yeah. at a lot of the things that are behind the Me Too campaign, it's been an old boys network that caused it. Mm-hmm. So you really, if you're the PC party of Ontario, you do not want to seem like it That's is right. the old boys calling the shots. Yeah, agreed. So, so I think what's going to be interesting the next few days uh, and weeks is uh, seeing how the party and how the caucus is going to choose a new leader, how they're going to proceed um, to decide who's going to lead the party into the next election. That will be a fascinating process. Is there a possibility that the new PC leader could win this election? I, absolutely. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think it's a three-way race at this point. I mean, it's a game changer, but we don't know all the pieces are going to fall. But it is, uh, you know, the latest poll put the Tories ahead. They're no yeah. longer ahead right now. They're yeah. leaderless. And, and, and the two other parties were, and, were tied. And so. my guess, and from things that I've heard, I think the PC party probably has a pretty strong platform that was ready to go. They were not going to wait until the last minute uh, to roll out their platform because they've learned from some of the errors, errors of previous election, like you know, cutting 100,000 jobs but not telling your caucus that you were planning on doing that as one of the platform items from the last election. So I think there are some things that are ready-made to go for the new PC leader. Absolutely. Sorry, I should say none of this changes the liberal record in Ontario. None of this changes a record of total incompetence and mismanagement and corruption. And so whoever is the next (laughs) leader of the Conservative Party is well positioned to defeat Kathleen Wynne. I think this is absolutely uh, an open game. And, and are they more tied to the are they tied to the platform as well because the Patrick Brown platform is a very middle of the road almost centrist platform yeah I'd say not necessarily so that will be a question for the new leader do they want to continue on with that particular uh, vision uh, for the province or do they want to forge their own path yeah. do, do you want to be the PC party that's against um, sexual education in the schools at this point when you've had a leader that's had to step down due to harassment allegations that might be a tough one for them to kind of consider okay let's move this to the federal scene because on Thursday we learned of new allegations regarding Ken Hare, the Minister of Sports and Disabilities, the Prime Minister, and this is a time with a type stamp on our podcast is really useful because we were taping this on Thursday where we don't actually know yet what the Prime Minister is going to do with Mr. Hare. Um, in all likelihood, I suspect that he is going to um, kick Mr. Hare out of the caucus and launch an investigation as he has done with Darshan Khan, the other Liberal MP from Calgary, um, who is still sitting as an independent. But that is what we know and what we don't know. Um, what do you make of the allegations with Mr. Hare, and can he stay? So, you know, as the, as the person with the red stripe on the on the on my back on the on this panel, um, you know, I, I think it's important to acknowledge that. Ken Hare has not had a hugely successful federal political career. There were bright hopes for for this gentleman. Um, Liberals were very proud of the beachhead that they won in in Alberta and the two seats in Calgary that are now down to one due to uh, some other allegations. but we know that the Prime Minister uh, is not scared to move quickly on, on things like this. Um, Ken Hare was not considered to be, I mean, if he was considered to be a, a, a successful Veterans Affairs Minister, he would probably be still in that role. We know before Christmas there were some stories about his um, lack of, uh, uh, of diplomacy, if I would put it mildly, to some stakeholders. So this seems to be a trend, media love trend, 
things are coming out. I don't think this bodes well for the Liberals uh, in Calgary. I think, you know, hindsight being 2020, uh, if they were to look at Calgary, uh, if they had known that they had some possibilities in 2015, I think they would have, they wish they would have put some resources elsewhere. Um, but this is not a great tale. Should they have acted sooner? I mean, Greg mentioned uh, Mr. Harris' comments regarding the thalidomide victims, um, even some allegations at the time that uh, his hands had been touching them inappropriately. Should liberals have investigated or done anything sooner with regards to Mr. Hare? Yeah, well, once again, I mean, Mr. Hare, apparently rumors have been circulating about him for years, and this kind of behavior has been um, apparently an open secret for years and so yes if that's true something should have been done sooner and we've been talking about how that happens because it doesn't seem to happen adequately now I think you're right um, his days are numbered his probably his hours are numbered at this stage and um, you know Prime Minister Trudeau to give him credit uh, has acted quickly um, on these kinds of allegations when they come to light, whether that's with Mr. King or Hunter Tutu. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's taken action to remove people from cabinet, from caucus. Or Scott Andrews and Suma Pachetti. Exactly, exactly. So he has taken action when these we, these things have come to light. Um, it's pretty clear that this is a cross-party problem. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, the parties can work together in figuring out how to solve some of these problems going forward. Yeah, I mean, the guy as been known to say a lot of things to a lot of people and not always appropriate things. Um, so to, this was not surprising to me at all. Uh, now, of course, uh, the prime minister has established that he had a zero tolerance. So I don't think he has a choice but to remove him from cabinet and probably from caucus. Um, and I was surprised, in fact, that he was not removed from cabinet about saying after he said those things uh, to the Thalidomide victims. Um, but you know, uh, he was given a second chance, I guess. Then, and I think now it's 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 over for him. Uh, I do not see him uh, having a significant role in the Liberal government on the way forward. It's interesting to me that these are all allegations that date back from several years. How does one, aside from acting appropriately all the time, as one should, um, how do you guard against this? Like, are parties not doing enough opposition research on their own members? Are there are there blind spots? How is this well, happening? I, you know, and I'll, I'll ask the awkward question. Um, Ken Hare survived a drive-by shooting, yeah. um, something that he was not involved in, um, had accomplished a lot. I mean, you know, God, to be a liberal in, in Alberta and get elected is, is significant. I mean, the, you know, what I ask is, was he given more latitude along the way right. for these? You know, I, I, have, I have heard that he's been inappropriate, but not in a sexual harassing way, mm-hmm. um, just off color and a, a bit blunt. And again, I'm wondering if because of his circumstances, people were more forgiving. And if perhaps he was, you know, a, um, a, a pale male from Toronto that this not, you know, who was, you know, physically um, uh, uh, not disabled, that this would have, uh, n- you know, been dealt with much sooner. I mean, it's an awkward question, but I think the reality is, I, you know, I, I think of Stephen Fletcher, who was, uh, you know, a cabinet minister in the last administration, who was extremely abrasive at times, and I think there was a lot. But to of, be fair, no sexual harassment. No, 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 abrasive. I just said yeah. very abrasive. <laughs> um, and uh, and again, I mean, are, is there certain latitudes that we give as human beings to mm-hmm. others because of circumstances? And I think right. the obvious question, the obvious answer is yes. To to answer your question on background checks on these candidates. I mean, each party has to look into the background of 338 
individuals. Mm -hmm. And then even some more because some parties go do a background check for nomination candidates. The green light nominations. Right? That is a lot of work. Uh, and and parties have limited resources, and on you know so you do the social media check, you look in the background, you do a few some research, but we're not sending Magnum PI to look into it and do you know interrogate neighbors and colleagues and friends like we, we can't do that like we have to rely on what is available, and, and 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 you know it's 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 really hard to say no to someone unless you have actual proof. Now when you hear stories, there's ways to manage. But if you don't hear those stories, I mean, where do you look? It's like trying to find a needle in an A, and you don't even know there's a needle in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. True. And, and there's there's political currency here as well. Peter Panashwe, you know, being, you know, the conservative from Labrador, you know, that was a, 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 had some, you know, political currency for the conservative power, party. And, of course, you want to kind of have as broad representation as you can coast to coast. Um, again, sometimes these people would not have made it into cabinet if they were from another part of the country. Yeah, I, I on the background check issue, I almost think that's a separate issue. So we had a number of candidates step down, all, all parties did in the 2015 election mm-hmm. during the campaign. It was clear that they had not been vetted appropriately, and I'll refrain from me. <laughs> the, the man who peed in a cup, for instance, yes. <laughs> um, clear that some of those candidates' backgrounds were not appropriately vetted. Um, this, though, seems to be a bit of a, um, a, a different issue. I agree with Carl. If, if these... If you don't know these allegations exist, or if no one has come forward, how can you um, check for them? How can you vet for them? And so there has to be some way of, um, I think, encouraging people or, 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 or letting women feel safe in coming forward about these things, um, but also letting other people who witness incidents come forward and make them known also. Uh, and we need a, a better way of doing that because they seem to just sort of uh, exist under under cover of darkness. Like a tip line yeah. of sorts. Like, if you know anything like, sketchy about our candidates, please yeah. let us I mean, know. People, yes. some people do come forward and, you you know, you do. the parties will take any information they receive very seriously. May it be about them, their, their, their own people or an opponent. They will look into it. So if you have, if you know anything, contact the party. They will, they will look into yeah, it. But the reality is, look, I, I have been off the hill. I'm not dependent on a job. I started as a lobbyist under the Conservatives. I'm a liberal and I'm still employed. I have stated some things on social media about this, about things I've seen. And I'll be honest, I worry about recriminations. I worry right. if I have you know, in, hurt myself or hurt potentially hurt my business by saying this because some of these people still in this town wield a lot of power. Mm-hmm. And and I'm going to say this too. I, I really want to see this conversation go beyond politics because I'm aware that it was funny is there was a huge opening of Pandora's box in American media, but we've not seen it happen in Canadian media. Gameshi was three years ago. Uh, perhaps Canadian media is perfect. Perhaps there are no problems. I have a really hard time believing that in Canadian media this hasn't happened, but we have yet to see this. I know of some incidents with friends, and we have yet to see this Me Too. I'm glad that it's on Parliament Hill, but I think it needs to kind of expand a bit further in Canada. Mm. Okay, on that note, um, Greg, Carl, and Rachel, thank you for your insights. Thank you. Thank you.
Over at Queen's Park Thursday, the PC MPPs, like many others, were still trying to find their words after Brown's overnight resignation. Deputy Leader Sylvia Jones took reporters' questions and was steadfast that her party still has a shot of winning the upcoming June election. We have the plan in place to succeed in 2018. Was talked? last night a hiccup? Absolutely. But we are going to move forward with it, and we are going to make sure that we put in place the processes to ensure that we have a winning team in 2018. Sylvia, did I hear you correctly? You were calling last night a hiccup? Was that last night a hiccup? It was a hiccup in terms of our, our leadership. Some people would say that it was more than a hiccup. Fair enough. Jones later took to Twitter to apologize for her choice of words, saying it was a very long press conference. Well, that's our show this week. We'll be back in a few days setting up what to watch for when Parliament resumes. In the meantime, send us a mail, snail mail, email, tweets. We love to hear from you. Send us your feedback and story ideas. You can reach me through Facebook or Twitter at Althea Raj, A-L-T-H-I-A-R-A-J is my handle. Thank yous this week to Zian Lem, who helps produce this show, and Stephanie Warner, who makes it all sound great. Andre Lau is our executive producer. I'm Althea Raj. Have a great weekend. 